Want to see what life's like inside the bottle? Jem's Playground has its own website and Facebook fan page. Go to www.jemsplayground.com for more details. All right, Daddy, let those mofos have it. Say, kids, what time is it? It's time! And here we go. What's up, you sick, dirty, twisted, filthy animals, you? Jin's Playground has finally returned. Whooping that ass for the 30th time. Wow, episode 30. Has it really been 30 episodes? I know it's been almost six years since doing episode one, and it's been about four months ago since I did episode 29, but I don't feel tardy. To quote the immortal Bill Murray from Meatballs, it just doesn't matter. The past is long gone. It's way back there. We can't get it back no matter how hard we try. What matters is the present right now in this moment, right this very second, you have selected Jin's Playground as your podcast of choice. For those not familiar with this podcast or what Jin's Playground is about, let me break it down for you in the most simplest of terms, in the only way that I know how. I am the almighty Jin. Ooh, <laughs> that felt good. Every once in a while, you gotta loosen up those throat muscles, project from the diaphragm, and bust out that unholy demon voice. You know what I mean? You guys should give it a try sometime. It works for my back aches, and it helps keep me regular. This is a Magic the Gathering podcast, except when it's not. At times, my level of immaturity requires that only mature audiences listen to this show. So if you have virgin ears and your parents are white-collar, clean-cut, humble, law-abiding, and upstanding citizens, then why don't you go ahead and put a halt to this stream right now. Somewhere in the world, the 700 Club is on. Go watch that. But, if your ears have indeed had their cherry popped, and your parents are blue-collar ex-cons that have orange mohawks, 666 carved in their forehead, with a beer in one hand while throwing a middle finger to the sky with the other, well, then I cordially invite you to stay a while. This podcast may indeed tickle your fancy. For those who have listened to my show before, you know what the score is. You've had your fill of those pretentious magic articles online. You're caught up on all those other podcasts. Maybe you're at work right now and you've decided that you've had quite enough of that asshole boss of yours. Perhaps your backside is cherry red from that constant ass-whooping that you're getting from your woman at home. Maybe you're stuck behind a garbage truck on Run Bad Avenue, and you're a top deck away from losing your ever-loving mind. Well, (laughs) that's where I come in. I don't pretend to know everything about magic, so I'm not going to dictate lines of play to you or make you feel like a shithead about your card choices. Nah. I'm not your boss, so hey, go ahead and kick those feet up on that desk. Slap that insanely hot coworker on the ass as they walk by. Tell them to get you some coffee. Stat. I am also not your significant other. This podcast is a nag-free zone. 
You'll still have to do the dishes, because <laughs> I sure as hell ain't doing them. The difference is you get to do those dishes whenever you're goddamn good and ready. Jin's Playground is a glorious sanctuary away from life's little pieces of bullshit. A Xanadu, if you will. A place where plain talk is the norm, where a magic player can come and not be judged. In other words, welcome to the revolution, amigo. Hope you brought a helmet. Kick back, pop open a cold one, throw those headphones on, and let's take this journey together, shall we? Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The ceremony is about to begin. As usual, we have a lot to cover. You know, that's just what happens when you take a few months off. You know, I, I hear it every time. Jin, buddy, I love your podcast, but why you gotta wait so long in between them? Well, the long, boring, and honest answer is that I wear a ton of hats. I'm a husband, a dad, a corporate slave, a competitive magic player, a movie enthusiast, a sports fan, a metalhead, a video game addict, not to mention a mythical figure that pops out of a bottle to grant fools wishes using powers beyond any mortal's comprehension. I'm swamped, what can I say? But if you want the short and equally honest answer as to why I take a while in between shows, here it is on a silver platter. The truth is, a gin is never late when doing his podcast, nor is he early. He spits his flow precisely when he means to. Alright, let's kick this bitch off with a little recap of what's happened between now and my last podcast. You ready? Nooch. Now where were we? Let's see here. Ah! Wizards took away worlds, took away gnats, put in place a, a shitty rating system. I was pissed off about it. Yada, yada, yada. Well... They did make a few tweaks here and there in the last few months, but the rating system is still pretty silly. There are really only three numbers that you have to concern yourself with. 300, 600, and 1200. That's all you gotta remember, nothing more. Those are the Planeswalker point totals that will tell you how many buys you will have at the next Grand Prix should you decide to go to one. You know, the grand majority of us don't have to concern ourselves with learning about Platinum Club level or shiny titanium level or pristine triple diamond with a half twist level nah just 300 600 and 1200 and if you take three months off everything resets so you're back to square one and you don't even have to worry about those numbers nice in place of the world championship they gave us the world magic cup four people from every country go to represent their nation at gen con in kind of a gauntlet of magic formats the top ranked pro in that region is part of that foursome and the other three Luxacks are guys who qualified via winning a world magic cup qualifier so no more regionals no more nats qualifiers for the stores instead we have what amounts to three uber ptqs held in various places throughout the us of a the only thing appealing about this mess are those three guys or gals that make it into this thing they will become household names, at least in houses that know anything about competitive magic. I enjoy seeing new players make good while getting their shot in the spotlight. We see plenty of pros every week in their articles, draft videos, and video coverage. It's time to root for some new blood. This system makes that happen. Unfortunately, the system is still pretty bad. 
You have to have 300 Planeswalker points to enter one of these WMC quals, which isn't terrible, especially considering that most players who would want to play in this kind of event would surely have 300 points already. But even if you do have 300 points, are we really going to travel to one of these events? If by travel you mean hop in a car and go to the event if it's within a, a, like a two-hour drive, then sure, I'm game. First place prize is excellent, I'll give you that. But this event, it just seems like it's only really worth it if you win the thing, you know? Second place or lower just seems like negative EV to me. And my guess is that our nation will have a quality representative from the great state of California, one from the Missouri-Illinois region, and one hailing from the great state of Maryland. Not quite an accurate representation of our country, is it? But, there you go. Yet another thing that needs to be rethought. Let's see, what else went down? I went to two Grand Prix in the last couple months, Grand Prix Lincoln and Grand Prix Salt Lake City. I went 5-4 and four in Lincoln, and I went 7-1-1 one one in Salt Lake City to make Day 2. Didn't do as well as I'd have liked to in Day 2. You know, Grand Prix Lincoln was a pretty good time despite the event being held in a condemned bomb shelter located right next to a feed-and-seed flea market. Road tripped out to that one with some friends. Got a $180 playmat for my troubles. I'll get to that a little later. The modern format is the real deal, folks. Going from modern back over to standard is like being on a diet of filet mignon and lobster tail and then being forced to eat lima beans and rice cakes. Now, Grand Prix Salt Lake City, on the other hand, was very different in that I, I spent a lot more time there, and the majority of my team was there. You know, Salt Lake City is actually a very beautiful town. It's filled with a lot of crazy white people, to be sure, but it's a beautiful town nonetheless. And can I just say that getting tipsy in Utah is the stones... It feels so naughty. Unfortunately, the bars in Utah only serve 3-2 beer on tap, but... We have to take moderation as it comes, right? I mean, it wasn't until like 10 years ago they were publicly caning people for drinking over-the-counter NyQuil in that state. Baby steps are still steps. So I got this playmat in Grand Prix Lincoln. I'm almost sure that most of you have seen this picture already. You know, it's a horde of squirrels going toe-to-toe -to -toe with this werewolf. It's pretty sweet. Ron Spencer, fantastic artist, did this layout. And right in the middle of this wonderful image is this awkward, out-of-place, green, circular bit of logo feces that the organizer decided to stamp on it. You know, I get why they need to attach their logo to something like this, but just put it up in the corner or, or, or off to the side somewhere. Their choice in logo placement was not only poor and obnoxious, but it just it takes away from the artwork. Some people must not have felt the same way I did, because a few of those sold on eBay for up to $170, $180. To the sellers of these playmats, all I have to say to you is, must be nice. I mean, you look at eBay now, and that price tag on this thing has dropped to the $50, $70 range, which is still kind of ridiculous. I mean, I, I really like this playmat, but the way I look at it is if someone were to come up to me right now and burn my hand with a C-note, guess what? They're going to get a playmat. I mean, that's just all there is to it. But for now, I'll go ahead and hold on to mine. It's cute. Speaking of playmats, it's time to get real here. 
Now, I've been asked by some folks what I think about the controversy surrounding these inappropriate playmats, the sexualization of females when it comes to Magic the Gathering, as well as women in general when it comes to our game. All three topics I'm pretty passionate about, so let's, let's take these topics one by one. Steve Argyle, who is slowly becoming one of my favorite magic artists, produced a, a piece of artwork where two women, who happen to have a striking resemblance to Liliana and Chandra, were shown in a, a, a very suggestive pose, one seductively mounting the other. No nudity or anything, just very suggestive and playful in a naughty sort of way. I mean, this artwork has made its rounds, and, and it was never made into a playmat that we know of. But there was a lot of talk about how it could have easily been a playmat, and even hopes that it would one day become one. You know, there's another piece of artwork that actually was put on a promotional playmat, specifically for players who attended Grand Prix in Indianapolis. This artwork details kind of a, a goblin lord sitting on a throne with four sexy female characters huddled around him that we, we kind of have to assume is his harem. Now, first thing I, I want to get out of the way here, this is not, nor will it ever be, about the quality of the artwork. You know, when it comes to what people think is quality art, it's, it's going to be all over the place. You're, you're just going to have a variety of opinions. Different strokes for different folks. When it comes to these two pieces in particular, personally speaking, you know, I've seen better. But that's neither here nor there. This is really about whether or not these images are appropriate to be putting on a playmat and then distributing that playmat out to the masses. My answer is yes and no. I mean, what is a playmat anyway? I mean, it's a piece of rubbery foam material with a picture on it. And yet, here we are talking about this unassuming and seemingly insignificant little gaming accessory. Now, would I buy a risque and suggestive playmat like this one? <sighs> sure. Maybe. I mean, I like having the option to do so. Maybe other people would buy it as well. I mean... A lot of guys might like it, and some women might even like it too. <gasps> I feel that playmats like this are appropriate because I'm a big believer in allowing people to figure out for themselves what is appropriate and not appropriate. For myself, I would bust this kind of playmat out at home or when I'm playing with my buddies. Busting it out at a Friday Night Magic or a Grand Prix? Not at all. That's where I feel a playmat like this is not appropriate. Here's a good example of what I'm talking about. Let, let's say, let's take a, another simple gaming accessory. A deck of playing cards. I mean, 52 cards. Anyone from 8 to 80 can play countless games with the red and black deck. You go to a casino and you notice on the backs of these cards there's a very nondescript blue and red pattern. You don't see naked ladies on the backs of these cards. Now, if I'm hosting a poker night with my buddies and there's beer, there's pizza, there's F-bombs... I can guarantee to you that the Naked Lady deck is getting in there. I firmly believe a Naked Lady deck deserves a place in this world, as well as an appropriate time to show it off. Probably not playing Go Fish with your 9-year-old niece. That's all I'm saying. The guy who thought it was a good idea to give this playmat out at Grand Prix Indianapolis to 500 random people? What the fuck were you thinking? I mean, even if we completely ignore the oversensitive adults who begin to hyperventilate at the sight of this playmat, you cannot ignore a parent's wishes to govern what their children are exposed to, especially at an open, family-friendly magic tournament like a Grand Prix. And that's crossing the line. 
But what about all this hoopla regarding the sexualization of women in games and the, and the treatment of women in our community? I am going to preface this by saying that I have a penis. Indeed, most men have penises, and a lot of people hate that fact. They don't like it. In fact, it straight up offends certain people that we have our own personal jukeboxes. With the exception of gay men, the majority of guys enjoy looking at the female form. It's not about preference. It's about biological fact. Hell, advertising agencies count on that fact. Think about it. What's going to draw your attention more, a monkey telling you that Axe Body Wash will make you clean, or a hot, half-naked supermodel in a shower? No matter what people try to tell you, this sort of attraction is completely natural. We are not like Wikipedia. You can't just go into the male genes and edit that fun little part of us out. No matter what lengths we go through to domesticate ourselves to fit in with society's norms, at the end of the day, we just love boobs. And there are a lot of hypocritical and holier-than-thou people out there who want to make you feel guilty about what pleases your senses. Whether they do it in a, a, a subtle or a not-so-subtle way, they want to make you feel shame. They want to make you feel like scum for liking something that they may not like or appreciate themselves. Or maybe they really do like and appreciate it, they're just being hypocritical. Be wary when talking to these people. They will attempt to do some next-level reprogramming in an attempt to make you conform to their unrealistic and parochial standards. Don't let them. You know, I, I read an article recently by Jackie Lee on Star City Games titled Women in Magic 2012. This was actually a very well-written article, and there are a lot of things in here that I agree with, and only a couple things that rubbed me the wrong way. The biggest problem I have with her article is that she would have us police the use of certain language. I cannot disagree strongly enough with this. To quote my good buddy, the late, great George Carlin, I get tired of people talking about bad words and bad language. Bullshit! It's the context that makes them good or bad. You know, I mean, it, it's not about the history of the word. It's not about the X-Men origin story behind the word. The word itself is harmless, you know? I mean, it, it's an empty vessel. That vessel is then filled with a good or bad meaning only when the person using it adds context. So you know what? Let's take the word bitch as an example. You know, right now, in this very moment, it has no meaning. It's innocuous. Bitch, 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 bitch. You see? Try it with me one time. It's kind of fun. Bitch, 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 bitch. I mean, we're juggling the word. We're playing with it. It's light as air. It has no meaning, no identity. Now, let's add some context to that word. I'm playing Diablo 3, and I'm having a hard time with a level, and I say to my buddy who's watching me, Man, this level's a bitch. It's a short way of saying... Golly, I sure am having a great deal of difficulty with this level. The context behind the word is realized and understood. Now, let's use it in a very different context. A female magic pro is whooping some ass on a live stream, and someone in the chat room says, Who does this bitch think she is? The context of that word doesn't just make some of the difference, it makes all of the difference. Let's try some substitute words, but use the exact same context. Who does that kumquat think she is? Oh man, I like kumquats, but when used in this way it sounds horrible. Who does that Zamboni think she is? Oh no, not Zamboni. One of my favorite words because it's just so much fun to say. 
But when you add this kind of context to it, it sounds downright offensive, doesn't it? There's no sense in asking someone to stop using the word bitch, because even if you succeed in your cause, they'll just create a new word or use an old word to convey the same kind of hate and disrespect. It's not the words, Jackie. It's the element of the word and the conditions of that word that are set by the person saying it. We should be policing assholes, not our language. Now, I, I don't want to come off as oversimplifying Jackie's points here, but I'm a bottom line kind of guy. And I can tell you that this article can all be summed up like so. Please be respectful, use common sense, be good to one another, and don't be an asshat. Wow, you really broke through on something there, Confucius. Now to be fair, I mean, there are people out there that need to have it spelled out for them, which is clearly what she's trying to do here. But here's the beef I have in all of this. Many guys will completely miss the point and state that the women are just looking for some special treatment. I, for one, know that they are not. They just want to be treated equally. Well, <laughs> what is equal? I'm just going to say it, magic players can be straight up assholes. Egotistical, socially unequipped assholes. Personally speaking, I do not distinguish between a magic player belittling my play at the table and a guy who's making a sexist joke at a tournament. Both are activities that qualify as being an asshole in my book. My guess is that Jackie has run into some assholes in her travel as a magic player. Hey, wouldn't you know it? So have I. I'll bet you have too. It's quite a noble gesture to think that we should all try and make small changes to help reduce the amount of asshole behavior in our magic community. But the fact is, asshole behavior happens everywhere on the roads, in the workplace, at school, it will continue to happen everywhere and it will never stop no matter what we say or do. You think chat rooms for magic players are bad? Let me tell you something, go to CNN and read the comments section of those articles there and you'll see a hotbed of racism, sexism, and brutality. You might think that because our community is small in contrast to what happens in the rest of the universe that we have a better chance of influencing people's behavior. It's the other way around, my friend. Our community is a drop in the ocean and we are up against it. Now, we can tell people to behave until we're blue in the face. But how far do you think that will go when those same people we are trying to convince are floating in a vast sea of poor behavior? You know, I respect Jackie Lee and I actually respect what she's trying to do here. But I think ultimately it's a fool's errand. I personally do not tolerate and will never condone poor behavior in our gaming community. But realistically speaking, it's gonna happen regardless of how hard I kick and scream and wish that it didn't. Knowing this, what is the alternative? Well, we try to educate, which again, I think is a noble effort and hopefully some people will listen. But in the meantime, I think that a little thick skin can go a long way. You're either gonna choose to play in magic tournaments where there's a possibility that you could run into an asshole or the behavior bothers you so much that you choose to do something else with your time. I will always encourage women to learn the game and be a part of our community, but I'd also ask that they temper their expectations. There's no avoiding it. Regardless of you're male or female, you're just going to run into assholes. Welcome to equality, ladies and gentlemen. Alright, I'm off my soapbox. No more swimming in the deep end of the pool. Time for some fun shit. Because what is Jin's playground without a little fun shit? 
Question. Have you ever spent hours on end debating what deck you should play? You know, some people are one deck wonders, but a lot of other people have the capability and means to play different decks. I am one of those people. You can't make this decision lightly either. You have to weigh all the positives and negatives of each deck. And the longer that process goes on, the more intense the conflict inside you grows. You allow yourself to be influenced by the forces of good and evil. That little angel on one shoulder trades blows with the devil on the other shoulder. My child, why do you suffer needlessly? Your choice is so simple. Follow your angelic destiny and play humans. Very few players will be able to answer to a first turn champion of the parish. Second turn gather the townsfolk. And may the Lord have mercy on their souls should you choose to honor those that are pure. The road may be a difficult one and sacrifices must be made. Many of your allies will face doom in their travels, but as long as your Cathars are loyal, a part of them will always carry on. Now, it is true that there are spells such as Slagstorm and Whiplair, but you must have faith that reinforcements will be timely. May this be the hour that you draw your sword of war in peace. May this be your opponent's day of judgment. And may the Lord see fit to guide you as you revoke your opponent's existence and claim victory on this day. So say we all. Ooh, I've always wanted to say that. Now there will be those who will attempt to dissuade you. Be strong. Fear no evil. Only the penitent man will pass. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up. Time out. Let me get this straight here. You're gonna play humans? That's it? That's your big master plan there, Chief? So what you're telling me is that you're a-okay with getting taken out to the woodshed by Wolf Run Ramp, right? Now you do realize that this is a, a fantasy game? Out of all the other creature types in all of magic, you're gonna go with your own species? I'm gonna be honest with you here, amigo. That's got about all the excitement of a bologna sandwich. Listen, <laughs> I know what you need. First thing, you're gonna play a bunch of mana dorks. You're gonna play with Stranglerut and Huntmaster, then you're going to get in the mix. We're going to throw a little burn around just for good measure. And we're going to ride this bitch all the way to hell and back. You know what else we're going to do? We're going to pay a mana cost of two colorless and three green. And then we're going to proceed to overrun somebody's buttocks. And I know you can get down with that. And after you take my advice and you win this whole tournament, we're going to take the winnings and you and I are going to slide across the border, hit those white sandy beaches, String together a few margaritas and senoritas, and we're gonna get straight stupid, baby. Try and tell me that's not the deal of the century right there. Blasphemy, sacrilege, be gone, foul demon. For if he doth not play humans, he will most certainly play with the most secretive of delvers. Leaking the mana of his opponents, he will gain tempo and smash the face of all of his opponents. In a very humble and respectful way. A legendary cleric that summons angels will guide him in his endeavors. It is he that commands you. Say it with me one time, brothers and sisters. The power of Geist compels you. The power of Geist compels you. 
Be not swayed by this charlatan claiming that Red Green Agro will bring to you the success that you seek. It is but common knowledge that only donkeys play this deck. Are you a jackass? I should think not. Remain pure of heart. Equip Rune Chanter's Pike and shove that invisible stalker right up there. Uh, well, you get my point. Are you really going to listen to Pretty Boy here tell you to run Delver? How many mirror matches would you like today? Ten? Maybe twelve? How in the hell are you not playing Black Red Zombies? And you call yourself a George A. Romero fan. You should be ashamed of yourself. It's not too late to audible. Rise from your grave, altered beast style, man. Grave crawlers, messengers, and ghouls, oh my. You get to play with four swords to plowshares. Uh, I mean, tragic slip. And hurling volleys of brimstone at a motherfucker's face. You know I can get behind that. Now, that idea that I had about Mexico, scratch that. That was a bad idea. And truth be told, it was an irresponsible scheme. So, I... I want to apologize for that. Instead, once the smoke is cleared and they hand us that trophy, we belly up to the dealer's table, sell off all of our cards and hop onto the first flight out to Las Vegas, baby. We'll stay at the penthouse suite at the Cosmo, eat at Diablo's Cantina, hit those legendary strip clubs with monster truck force, we'll go to the Playboy Club at the Palms and do body shots all night long, and then we'll buy into the No Limit game and shove those chips in the middle ordering even more drinks from that cutie pie cocktail waitress. Guys, 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 guys. Both of you step off. Get out of here. <sighs> Guess this means I'm on mono green. So before I get to the Avison Restored stuff, I got a little story. I'm not so sure that the person who told me this story wants this out in the open, so I won't use names. All I'll say is that it came from a level 5 judge that I happen to know. So there's this big tournament that happened down in Florida, and the judges get together and they have their own little powwows. Somewhere along the way, it got brought up that there was this player in the tournament that strangely enough, just about everyone he played had to mulligan. A lot. I guess there was talk that he, he was a bit of a savage in the local community, so they did something that I thought was quite fascinating. The head judge, you know, that uh, cool level 5 that we all know so well, grabbed a floor judge, gave him a hoodie and a backpack, and sent him out to go watch this match incognito. So what this ninja judge observed was that this player had a way of shuffling the cards towards him ever so slightly so that he could see the casting cost of the cards in the top right half corner when he did a bridge. He'd talk to his opponent, make chit chat, all the while paying attention to the top cards and their sequence. He'd give his opponent's deck back to him and they'd look at their top seven cards and then they'd say, ah, I guess I'll throw it back. The first game his opponent mulligans down to four cards and proceeds to lose the game. At this point, the DCI appointed Nazgul has probably seen enough to make a call here, but he decides to let them sideboard and go to game two. They both present, and sure enough, the guy proceeds with his trick shuffle, which results in a mole to six. Man, come on, deck, why are you doing this to me? Why am I so unlucky? The guy gets to do his trick shuffle again, hands it back, his opponent looks at his six cards, and slumps in his seat. It's at this time that Clark Kent opens his shirt up to reveal that larger-than-life S, pounces like a jungle cat onto the match and says, I'm a judge, stop the match. 
They haul this guy over to the judge's area, and that badass level 5 judge steps up to this guy and says, Alright, this is your chance to come clean about it. And, of course, this guy denies it up and down, which results in an easy DQ with no prize, and I'm pretty positive that there will be an impending investigation for further penalties. What do I think of all of this? Good. Peace. See ya. Don't let the door hit you where your mama should have whipped you. This is one of the few instances where I am a huge proponent of strike first, strike hard, no mercy, sir. I will never understand why people cheat at magic. In almost all cases, the stakes are so low that the risk is never worth the reward. That and, you know what? We don't need slime like this in our community, do we? The almighty Jin officially gives his blessing and fully endorses the use of these silent, free-floating Dementors. They could be anywhere. They could be everywhere. If you play by the rules, you got nothing to worry about. But if you cheat, I hope that they track you down and eat your soul. Oh, they're watching you. Alright, it's the moment you've been waiting for. My humble little tour through Avison Restored Spoilers. But first, I have a little question for you. Are you ready for a oh, I'm ready. Are you ready for a Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, get those hands in the air. Give me a hell yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, amen. I wish you could see me right now. I am emanating a Christ-like glow. Faith and Begora, saints be praised. Avison Restored is here. You know the drill. I'm going to run down the line and take a look at each color and pick out a card or two from the set. And God willing, we'll get through this without any lightning bolts being sent in my direction. In white, we're going to start with my favorite card out of the set, Restoration Angel. $5 out of the gate, I'll go on record and say, go ahead and pick up your playset yesterday. This little lady is all that in a bag of Cheetos. And when you think in terms of limited, we're happy to pay 4 mana for a 2-2 flyer as a sorcery. But to have a 3-4 flyer with flash that when it hits the battlefield you can blink a dude? The amount of applications are endless for this little angel. She is very easy for many decks to cast. I think she has some serious potential in the future. Entreat the Angels is another card of note. This is yet another reason I have a hard time with Limited. You know, think about it. You know, I play like I know how. I make my land drops. I kill some guys. I gain tempo. They're taking five points of service each turn. And then, all of a sudden, they draw their card. And they get this big shit-eating grin on their face. Hey! How about I make 544 Angels right now? What? <laughs> That seems like a great idea to me. Why not just make 12 4-4 angels while you're at it? Man, I was really hoping you'd draw that card, and now you did. That's just swell. This set is going to give new meaning to the phrase, Miracles Happen. Moving on to blue, we have Mist Hollow Griffin. Why does this card get a mention? Because it's the first mythic that I've felt should probably be an uncommon, or possibly even a common. 99% of the time, this is going to be a phantom monster. I have no idea why they thought this should be a mythic. I know that this has a very unique ability, 
but even if you get the value of having to cast it from exile, you still just have a phantom monster, which nowadays can be handled or ignored by every deck, even the casual ones. But here's one card we can't ignore. Yo, Tammy, yo, Tammy, yo! When it comes to control decks, there are a lot of things that are competing for that 5-drop spot. I mean, you got Elspeth, you got Venser, Gideon, Batterskull, Curse of Death's Hold. All of Tamio's abilities are pretty powerful, but you gotta pay close attention to any Planeswalker that lets you draw cards. She is also the type of Planeswalker that, if you get an untapped step with her on board, she'll take over the game. Elspeth 2.0 and Venser took a while for them to blossom, but I think that Tamio won't take quite as long. She's going to be a force. In black, I really dig Demonic Taskmaster. For an uncommon, I really think that this card pushes the power envelope. I mean, years ago, I would have told you that this was rare or even too powerful to be a card. Back then, people were jazzed about a 2-2 a Thunder Spirit for a colorless and two white. But a 4-3 Black Flyer for 3 with pretty much no real drawback if you build around her and, and play the card correctly, it's pretty spicy. And Reanimator Strategies get a new friend in Grizzlebrand. I like drawing 7 cards. Do you like drawing 7 cards? Drawing 7 cards is fun! Drop Liliana, pitch Grizzle Dizzle, and then get straight up slimy with Necrotic Ooze. Or get busy with Unburial Rites. Or what about only paying 2 colorless and 4 black for Grizzlebrand with Heartless Summoning in play? You know, it sounds like you gotta jump through a lot of hoops just to get this card online, but I gotta tell you, it just might be worth it. The payoff of getting this card into play is immense. Pretty sure this card is going to be a hit in a lot of formats. In red, let's just go straight to Tybalt the Fiendblooded. There is a lot of talk about how this card is awful or underwhelming. It's much, much better than that. The key thing to remember about Tybalt is that it's two mana. That is a good deal of value that we're going to get for just two mana. The odds that you will get to snap off the Insurrection ability is probably much greater than you think. This card can also play Havoc against Control. I think before being too critical of this card, try playing with it and make your own mind up on it. I think this little guy will exceed your expectations. And then there's Vexing Devil, which is poop. $15 worth of solid gold poop. I know, I know, I know. I just got done lecturing about value versus cost. And, you know, they will all probably prove me wrong about this little devil. But the fact is, my preference when it comes to cards with a browbeat mechanic is right up there with the coin flip mechanic. It's perfect trash. And yes... I'm probably going to lose to it in the near future. In green, there's really nothing earth-shattering that I can see here, but there are a couple of gems. I think that we are all going to want to pull a Revenge of the Hunted in Draft or Sealed. It's just such a blowout card on its own. I mean, I have no problem paying 6 mana for this thing in Limited, but the one green miracle mana cost is just a cherry. We are all going to lose against this card and win with this card, guaranteed. You know, I really like Wolfir Avenger. You know, it's, here's another uncommon that I think pushes the power barrier. I already liked Trained Armadon, but now we give it Flash and Regeneration? You're really getting a lot of goodies for the same cost. I love these kind of cards. 
cheap cards that have inherent abilities and effects. You know, I like this card for some of the same reasons I like, you know, uh, Quizali Pride Mage, or even the new Restoration Angel. I don't like a whole lot of vanilla in my creatures. Wolfear Avenger is at the very least Neapolitan. Now, in gold, a lot of people are talking about Sigarda. This is another card that, in terms of cost, has a lot going for it. You know, I think that people will try to play it and construct it at first, and then they will find that it's not as good as they'd like it to be. Now, that's not to say that it's a bad card. I just think that it will get much better after Standard goes through a rotation. In Artifacts, Moon Silver Spear should be a windmill slam in draft. Making a 4-4 Angel every turn will get out of control really quick. The first strike aspect doesn't seem like it's really necessary, but it's nice that it's there. I also like Vessel of Endless Rest. I mean, this is actually a really fine card. I mean, it can recycle a card that you played on turn 1 or 2, or nuke a card in an opponent's yard that you don't want to see used against you later. It's also acceleration, it's fixing, and it enters the battlefield untapped. That's some good for 3 mana. And of course, everyone is talking about Cavern of Souls. I think that this is a fine card, but the hype may have caught up with it. This is an ancient ziggurat that has a nice little bonus to it, but it's not for every deck, and it's definitely not going to warp any formats like Tolarian Academy did when it got released. It's a good card that will find its way into some decks, but people will still play counters. And you know what, even if I'm wrong about that, my guess is that control decks will just adapt and move towards relying on quality removal to save them. My favorite land out of the bunch is Desolate Lighthouse, aka Loot House. I've always loved looter abilities, but looters were so damn fragile, and if you played against any good player, they always made it a priority to kill your looter as quickly as they could. This thing is a little bit more difficult to kill. I think once all is said and done, a lot of control decks will be playing this land, and if you're into blue, red, and limited, this will be key to helping you dig for your good cards. It's all about being a loot whore. Overall, you know, this set seems pretty damn good. I don't think it's as fascinating or as flavorful as Innistrad was, but it's still a cool-looking set that will impact a lot of formats. It's hard to say right away what this set will be like from a limited perspective, but I think it's going to be fun finding out. I fully expect to hear a lot of bad beat stories of miracle-related blowouts. You'll just have to pray that you're not the one telling them. Alright boys and girls, it's that time of the show where I throw out some shameless plugs and unabashed promotions brought to you by GinsPlayground.com. On Saturday, April 28th, Enchanted Grounds and Jin's Playground will be bringing you the always popular big pre-release for Avison Restored. There will be not one, but two Hell Vault events. Each event will be limited to 54 players each. One will be sealed and the other one will be two-headed giant. Registration will begin at 8.30 a.m. The sealed deck pod will start at 10 a.m. Or as soon as we arrive at 54 players. And the two-headed giant will begin at 11 a.m. We will be doing a second sealed deck pod for any who miss out on the Hell Vault 54 player cutoff. The event fee is $30 for sealed, $40 for two-headed giant. As always, I will be there buying and selling cards, so be sure to swing on by and say aloha. 
For more details, go check out ginsplayground.com. On Friday, May 4th through January, May 5th, Jin's Playground is proud to partner with Total Escape Games in Broomfield as we bring you the Avison Restored Release Party. It's going to be a 24-hour magic marathon as we draft the night away with Avison Restored. We're going to be running non-stop all-you-can-eat drafts beginning at 6 p.m. on Friday and ending at 10 a.m. on Saturday. With each draft that you enter, you will get tickets for a drawing that will be held at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. You must be present to win. Prizes include a Fire and Lightning Dual Decks, a Venser vs. Koth Dual Decks, a From the Vault Legends set, and on top of all of that, they're giving away a box of Avison Restored. And to sweeten the pot even more, I'm going to be there all night buying and selling cards and keeping the party going. And there's a pretty good chance I'll do some crazy stuff and give away a few things on my own. This is going to be a very, very fun night. I hope to see you all there. For more details on this, go check out www.totalescapegames.com under their events section. If you are on Facebook, go check out Jin's Playground's Facebook fan page today. I am always looking for a few good disciples. I do a lot of posting, mostly about magic stuff, but every once in a while, I will slip in some opinionated commentary, movie trailers, and music videos, just because it's my party, and I'll cry if I want to. Go check it out today. Episode 30 is officially in the books. Time to put that cork back on the bottle. Shout out goes out to my good friend Alex Smith, who up to this point claims to have never listened to a single one of my podcasts. He told me he was actually going to listen to this one. I'm not too sure why he didn't listen to any of my other shows. He might be a closet communist. We can't be sure. A shout goes out to my good friend David Toops, a.k.a. Sarge. He recently retired from the Air Force, a master sergeant, after serving 21 years. After being shuttled all around the world, he is finally moving back to Colorado for good and returning to his friends and teammates. Welcome home, compadre. And last but certainly not least, a shout goes out to the players who take the time after a match to help new players out by giving them pointers and strategies on card selection when it comes to building their decks. With the pre-releases and the release events coming up, I think it's important to acknowledge these people who willingly and unselfishly spend the time to go over some of the things with new and casual players who don't play Magic very often. It may seem like nothing to you, but you guys give us all a good name and help our community grow. I tip my hat to you. You know who you are. Well, ladies and gents, that about does it. That's all I got. I will not be back next week, but it won't be months before you hear from me again. This is the Jin signing off saying, Life is a great big canvas, and you should throw all the paint you can on it. Peace.